episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans. And this week, this month, we are taking a look at the book, The Scout Mindset, Why Some People See Things Clearly and Others Don't, by Julia Galef. So in this newsletter, we are all about mindset, hence the name Product Thinking, understanding the difference between a helpful mindset and a not helpful mindset, and then applying the right mindset to the right situation. So I was obviously intrigued by the book, The Scout Mindset. The book compares the scout mindset to what uh, Galef refers to as the soldier mindset. So the scout, as described by Galef, is constantly looking for new information, updating their map, and proving themselves wrong. While the soldier, on the other hand, is defending their side, ignoring new information, and not seeking out new information actively. There are times and places for each of these mindsets, just like there is a time and place for a product mindset and other mindsets. But we need to be aware of the mindset that we have so we don't fall into common traps. The scout mindset and the product mindset, as I've advocated for it in this newsletter and on this podcast have many similarities as we'll discuss here. So let's jump into a few of the examples and the key takeaways. So first off, let me give you an overview of the book. As humans, we tend to see things that we want to see, rationalize our beliefs and seek certainty rather than live with uncertainty. That probably sounds familiar to a lot of us. All of this can lead us to miss the truth though. Rather than see things how they are, we may see things how we wish they were and then try to defend them, rationalizing away evidence that doesn't fit our beliefs and ignoring facts that cause us to doubt our preconceived notions. This is what Galef calls the soldier mindset, defending a position rather than updating our own beliefs to better fit the world. And in her book, she argues we would be better served by adopting a scout mindset, adapting to change, dealing with uncertainty, and embracing facts and evidence as it comes. She gives many examples of people and groups who have done this and how we can do it well. I've picked a few of my favorites to include, and we'll talk about them here in a moment, and how we can apply them to our work and our lives. So first off, first example and first idea is thinking in bets. We tend to be overconfident in our assessments of risk and probability. We often think in terms of all or nothing. An event will happen or it won't. It will rain or it won't. We will be successful or we won't. We'll make the deadline or we won't. And we are often very overconfident, erring on the side of the positive far more often. The ultimate outcome will be a yes or a no, most often, one or the other, since most things are binary. Are binary. They happen or they don't. But when we're assessing the probabilities, we need to be more nuanced than that. We need to calibrate our beliefs into confidence levels. How confident are you with that idea? How much would you wager a week's salary, a month's? By putting something at stake, it makes a belief more real and allows us to calibrate our confidence. We may initially feel very confident in an opinion. Yes, we'll make the deadline by Tuesday. But by making it more concrete with a level of confidence, an actual dollar amount or percentage, we can gauge exactly how confident we are. 
Would you wager a week's salary that the team can deliver by Tuesday? What about a month's? This is critical for us as individuals, technologists, and product people. How confident are we in the success of a product or feature? We may feel like it is a sure bet. We've done the research. We have the data. We And often, that is what stakeholders and our business want to hear. But is it right? How much would you wager on that outcome? A month's salary? A year's? Wouldn't it be better and more accurate to give a confidence interval, to talk in those terms of maybe 70% confidence or some other level, given the factors that you know. And confidence will increase as you release or decrease as other factors come into play. How can we do better at speaking this language and incorporating it into our processes, into our discussions? There are two other books that I think are excellent about this same topic. Uh, My favorite is The Biggest Bluff by Maria Konnikova. And another is Thinking in Bets. You probably are familiar with that one by Annie Duke. So check those out as well. So that is the first one, uh, Thinking in in Bets, the the idea of assessing probabilities uh, rather than being entirely overconfident. The second is the idea of updating. So Galef also writes in her book that we shouldn't look at errors or mistakes as massive problems, but as ongoing updates that we make, that we all make. This may be a big change to your mindset or to any of our mindsets, but it could be one of the best changes that we make. Rather than mistakes being fatal or calling for major contrition, mistakes can just be part of the process that call for regular updates to our mental models. In a study of super forecasters, Philip Tetlock found that amateurs regularly outperform professionals. If you've, if you're familiar with some of the things that I've written, uh, you definitely are familiar with some of this study, and it's also referenced in other books like uh, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Fascinating work that he did here, um, and I think he's also written some books and done a fair amount of writing and, and talking on this topic as well. And I've linked some of that in this week's newsletter, of course. The amateurs regularly outperformed professionals in forecasting major world events. And it was because the amateurs were updating their models and forecast far more often than professionals. They weren't tied to specific worldviews and were willing to make changes based on facts rather than the way they thought things should be. I love this idea and want to make it more a part of my regular process. I feel like I'm constantly updating my thinking and processes in work and life. And you may see some of that in my writing and in these podcasts, but I can certainly do more of it and do it more regularly. And I'm sure each of us can as well. So that's the second, this concept of updating, which I really liked from the book. Uh, Third and finally, Leaning into confusion. Uh, Galef argues that we need to lean into the confusion. Life is never black and white, but a million shades of gray. And to be successful, we need to lean into that confusion and into the gray. We need to embrace the fact that there aren't often clear-cut answers. In a story in the book, a London hospital of homeopathy had a much better record of treating patients for cholera than other hospitals at the time. But medical professionals at the time 
decided to ignore the results because they didn't believe in homeopathic medicine and were confused by the reported results, so didn't, per didn't pursue them further. If they had, they would have learned that things like hygiene and hydration were contributing to better outcomes for patients and could have improved outcomes for patients at all hospitals as well. So if they were able to lean into their confusion rather than dismiss it, they would have learned so much and been able to improve outcomes for patients across the board. If there was ever advice for product managers, leaning into confusion would be it. Often, we find results that are confusing or don't fit with our world view, like the idea that homeopathic medicine doesn't work. Sometimes our observations will fit into the models we have and other times they won't. So we can either continue to persist with what we know or lean into our confusion and curiosity and see where it leads. And often our curiosity and confusion will lead to better answers than we could have expected. All right, wrapping it up, you know, The Scout Mindset, I thought was a, a splendid book about what it takes to see the world as it is rather than how we'd like it to be. The Scout Mindset, as described by Galef in her book, really mirrors the product mindset in so many ways. Being endlessly curious, constantly updating our outlook and views with the latest information and avoiding bias. None of us is perfect. We can all improve how we approach our work and our lives. And this book has many tips on how to do just that. And as we improve little by little, we can see more clearly, be more rational, and embrace the truth wherever it leads. So check that out. Of course, the uh, newsletter as well at productthinking.cc where you can read that and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I also have some other good links in this week's newsletter that you can check out. Uh, I'll reference them here quickly as well, mostly revolving around what is happening in Ukraine right now, since that is top of mind. Uh, first one, the road out of Kiev. Uh, I don't know what to say about everything that is happening in Ukraine. Uh, I posted a bit about it on Twitter and linked uh, to some of those tweets, but it's such shifting ground right now. I feel for everyone there. I have teammates who a few days ago I was working with daily and are now caught up in an invasion. It's insane. Uh, and so I, I feel for them uh, as they've had to often leave their homes in various places in Ukraine uh, as, as soldiers have invaded. Uh, so quoting from this article uh, it, about a couple and a group who were fleeing from Ukraine, when we heard that the government was handing out weapons to citizens who wanted them, we didn't think anyone would get in line. But we've been told thousands of people are standing in line, old and young, to get guns. I wonder if my neighbors can do it. Can Ukraine withstand the third largest army in the world? If you asked me Thursday, I'd think the chances were low. Now I'm sure they will. So that's the first link. And you can check that out. Uh, the second link. The U.S. is at war with Russia for scenarios from here, another article. Uh, not to turn every link into Ukraine commentary, but it's obviously top of mind right now. There's a lot of good articles and pieces out, and I've always been a fan of Eurasia Group, which is uh, where this article comes from. Uh, even 
when we don't necessarily always agree. Uh, we used to speak with him regularly when I worked at a large investment bank. So I heard a lot from Ian and his group and got to ask questions about world events and his take on things. Uh, he's always very, very thoughtful and fair-minded in my experience. So I've appreciated that ever since. Uh, quoting from his article here. So for now, at least, I think we're heading towards more escalation. We'll see what that means. Of course, the danger is that the worse that gets, the more you've broken the relationships between the US, Europe, and Russia in a way that is truly irreparable and in a way that implies, remember, for the last 30 years, we've talked about a peace dividend from the Cold War, a peace dividend we all benefited from. It's gone now. So now we're living in a world without that peace dividend. What does that mean? How much is that going to hurt us? We're about to find out. So check that article out. Uh, Of course, I've linked it in the newsletter. And the best books on Ukraine and Russia, another article, sorry, not sorry about it. I've added all of these books to my reading list and thought you might find them interesting as well. I'm fascinated by history and am admittedly ignorant about too much of the backstory of what is going on right now. So I need to fix that and thought that uh, some of these books would be a good place to start. So have linked that article with uh, some book recommendations as well. And that is it for this week's newsletter and podcast. Again, I'm Kyle Evans. Uh, You can follow me on social media at Kyle Larry Evans and follow this podcast where we get your podcasts and the newsletter at productthinking.cc and we'll talk to you again soon.